here on a fantastic day. You don't, you don't even know how great of a day this is going to be. <clears throat> um, my name is Graham. I work here at Real Life. And Luke, who's on the soundboard, is fixing my microphone right now. Thank you, Luke. Uh, I work here at Real Life. Uh, my favorite part of my job, I'm unapologetic about this, is that I get to be the youth pastor here. And uh, three weeks ago, we left and we took uh, 33 teenagers to the Kenai Peninsula in Alaska for a week-long missions trip. And today's service is all about that. We got an awesome video we're going to show you. Uh, I'm going to give you a mediocre sermon at best to follow that up. But that is our whole day. We are so excited you're a part uh, of our service today. And really, we do everything geared towards people who are maybe not followers of Jesus or not yet followers of Jesus. Uh, everything we do on a Sunday morning is for you. So thanks for joining us today. If you're just here supporting somebody who went on the trip or like your mom drug you here because your sister went on the trip and you're half asleep, that's all right. You're in the right place. All right. <clears throat> the other thing we have going on today is uh, we have our first lake party. We put on three of these for teenagers every summer, and we have our first one today, 4 o'clock. Uh, it's the same place it's always been, right across from Chelan Cellars, way out here. But I'm in need of another boat and boat driver. So if you own a boat and you can tolerate teenagers for three hours, we would love for you to come and pull them on tubes. For some of our kids, some of our kids in the community, this is the only time they ever go on a boat, and this is the only time they get to tube. Um, and so we love providing that for them. And I would love to partner with you. Come and find me after the service. Um, I'll tell you where to go, what to do, how it all works. But we would love to get another boat um, so that more kids can have fun. Other than that, 4 to 7 p.m. out here on the South Shore. Uh, it's five bucks, and we feed them dinner as well. Um, so we hope to see all of our uh, high school and middle school friends there. Other than that, we got a lot going on this service, so I'm just going to pray real quick, and we're going to jump back into singing. So will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. God, I just thank you so much for our trip to Alaska. I thank you for uh, not just keeping us safe and giving us fun, but also the growth that happened while we were there. Lord, let today be a day where we can uh, communicate that growth to the rest of our church and the rest of our community. Uh, God, let us be able to um, just articulate well um, the good things you did in the people's lives up there and the good things in our lives as well. Um, and let that be inspiration for everybody who's sitting here and hearing it. And Lord, we ask for that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Wasn't that fantastic? I mean, that video just makes us look awesome. But really, all the work that our kids did, and they all raised $1,800 to get up there. Um, and you guys supported that. I, I love doing youth ministry in this valley because there's so much support um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. First, I want to welcome my friends up in the Quad Cities sitting in Brewster. Thank you guys for hanging out with us and Billy up there. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that video as well, um, as well as anybody else who's watching online, uh, wherever you are and whenever you're watching this. And of course, welcome to you guys who are actually here in the room with me. Um, as I said in the video, we were going to take this trip two years ago. We started planning this trip two and a half years ago. That's why our logo says 2020 on it. And obviously that didn't happen like everything else in 2020. All right. And then, so we had a couple, di you know, um, we had to divert a couple times to a couple different trips. And we finally got to do that and got back two weeks ago. And it really was worth the wait. It was a fantastic, fantastic trip. And anybody you see wearing a shirt like I am after the service would love to tell you about their trip. So just stop and ask them any question you want to know. 
But it got me thinking about, like, what, what is it that makes these trips? Because I would never say we've gone on a trip that wasn't worth it. Some trips, like this one, I feel like have this like, kind of special thing to them, right? Some sprinkles on the frosting. But some trips, uh, but never is there a trip where I come back and say, oh, that, that was terrible, that was worth it, why do we do this? They're all good. They're all good, and I've, I think this is the 13th or 14th one that I've led. And so it's got me thinking this past couple of weeks, like, what is it? What is it that's so good? Why is it that we come back and our kids are on fire and they're inspired? And why, why is it that I get two responses from past students? I get, two respon- I get one response that says, oh, man, those were the best thing I ever did. Those are, those are some of my best memories from high school. And then I get another response that says, I wish I would have done that. Those are the two responses I get on trips like this, or, or even talking to people who are older. I wish they would have had that when I was in high school. I wish I could have gone and done something like that. There's something amazing about these trips, and as I kind of broke down the trip in my mind and broke down the day, I realized that every day uh, we started off with our devotions uh, where we were reading the Bible uh, and praying. We did service right after that. We would work for about seven or eight hours a day. Um, then we would come back, we would eat all of our meals together. There was no cell phone, so everybody had to look each other in the face um, and have real conversation, right? We would, um, we would uh, uh, do, well, we did service to the community, but we also, because we had no phones, we had this fellowship, we had this bond together. And then we would end every night in small groups, and we would share as a group what was going on and what we were learning And it got me thinking, we were kind of in this or put our kids into this Christian incubator for a week. And no wonder why their faith grows. And they come back and they're super excited. And then I start thinking like, okay, how do we keep them excited? How do we keep them on fire? But then also I start thinking, why is it that we have to just have this missions trip? Like, why does it have to be just one week of the year where we only take teenagers? Can't we all benefit? from what we do on that trip? Can't we all kind of take that, that incubator effect and apply it into our lives? And that's what I want to talk about today because I think the way our days broke down into five different categories is a thing that we should implement into our lives every day, not just one week of the year when we're on a missions trip. And it's not just something we send teenagers to do in the summer, but it's something that if we want to grow our faith or if we want to explore faith, this might be a good way to do it. So I'm going to jump a, a little ahead here, Ellie. But I took some of these pictures uh, while, while we were up there. And so if you're like, that's not a very, that picture's not nearly as good as the video we just watched. That's because I took these, okay? So this is a picture of my friend Maya. And every morning, uh, we would do our quiet times, our devotions. We use these kind of Christian terms for them. But basically, it's a time where we stop, we pray, we study, we do Uh, stuff like that. And so this was Maya doing her devotion in the morning. We all got to go through the same schedule together. Um, Again, a quiet time, a devotion, a personal time with Jesus. Call it whatever you want. It's all the same. I'm going to define it as a set time in our schedule devoted to study or a, a set time devoted to studying scripture, right? And we would do this every single day. And do you know that the studies show us that there's absolutely nothing you can do for your Christian faith, or if you are interested in exploring Christianity, there's nothing more beneficial you can do than read the Bible. There's nothing. Everything else is great. All the other disciplines are great. Coming to church is great, but there's nothing you can do that will grow your faith or your knowledge like studying the Bible. It is the number one thing, and it's why we force our kids to do it every day on the trip. 
And I want to break this down just, just a little bit more because, one, it's a, it's a set time. It's something that we have set aside specifically, right? You have three, you kind of have three things in your life. I was thinking about this. You have the things you have to do. You have the things you get to do. And then you have the things that you schedule, you know? And sometimes there's some overlap in those things. But we all know the things that we schedule happen more than the things we don't. And that's why it's important for disciplines, whether it's reading the Bible or going to the gym or whatever it might be, it's important that we schedule our disciplines. We have to have a set time set aside, right? It's kind of why, like, uh, I don't know if you have Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever like that, uh, but they do that. They want a credit card, and they're going to do a reoccurring charge, right? They want to make sure they're going to get their money every single month, right? When you have set something aside, when you've set uh, something specifically aside, you know it's going to happen. Now, the great thing is uh, uh, you can do this whenever you want. I like to do mine in the morning um, about five or six days a week. I get up early. It's the only time in my uh, house that it's quiet. So I get up early. I spend an hour reading, praying. Uh, I read the Bible. Usually I have another book I'm reading on top of that because I can't read for an hour straight. I'm just not wired that way. Um, but you can do this whenever you want. You could do this on your lunch break. You can do this while your kid is at soccer practice and you're sitting in the lawn chair that you usually would have just been scrolling through Facebook. Right? You can do this at night. You can do this during a meal. You can do this whenever you want. It's just important that we set a time aside for it. And next, it's got to be devoted. There's got to be, it's okay to set time aside, but if it's not devoted to something, then it doesn't really matter. And devotion requires loyalty. Loyalty requires focus. Did you ever have that kid on your team, you know, like a really good athlete on the team that you played on, and they were just fantastic, you know, like they carried the team, and then the worst thing happened in the whole world where they got a girlfriend, and then their focus goes away, and then the loyalty goes away, and then their devotion goes away, right? The same is true. If we're not devoted to it, then it really doesn't matter. We have to, like, hone our focus in. And let me tell you, as somebody with ADD, this is so hard for me, right? I love, I love the Bible app, but it is not for me, all right? This is the only time I'm going to publicly disagree with Kyle because he loves the Bible app, but I have the microphone today. I love it for certain things, but when it comes to my personal devotions, I can't do the Bible app. I just can't. And it's not because the Bible app's not awesome. It's because there's so many other things on that device, right? I'm reading the verse, and then I'm like, oh, this is good. I should send this to my small group, and then I'm doing this, and then I'm, how do I, I think I got to get on Facebook for that, and I get on Facebook, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, they had their baby last night, and then it's, oh, he got a big truck, must be compensating, and then I scroll, and then I'm like, oh, oh, political rant, political rant, political rant, you know, and then I'm like, what was I doing on here in the first place? I just, I can't do it, all right? Again, I like it for some things, but for me, I can't do it, for me, I like the, when I was in second grade, my reading teacher was Mrs. Utech. She was fantastic. But back then, uh, I didn't have ADD because ADD didn't exist, right? You were just a problem child, okay? <laughs> so she would, take, she would take those trapezoid tables and she would put it up against the wall and then she'd take a quilt and she would put it over the table. There was just a little thing where I would crawl in and I would read. And that's exactly what I have to do today 
right? I don't really use the trapezoid table anymore, don't get me wrong. Can you imagine you coming to my house, I'm like in, under the teepee with the trapezoid table? But I have to do that. I have to have, that's the only way I can focus. So for you, if you want to be serious about it, you have to figure out what's going to keep your focus. Because you have to have focus to be loyal, and you have to be loyal to be devoted. All right? And then lastly, we got to study. It's okay to set time aside. It's okay to be devoted. But if we're not studying, and specifically studying Scripture, right, which can take a lot of different forms, then it really doesn't matter. Right? There's a story in the Old Testament where Moses, this guy named Moses, has just died, and his predecessor's name is Joshua, and he's going to take over. And God says to Joshua, hey, I want you to cross the Jordan River. I want you to go into the Promised Land. And all Joshua knows is that there's giants over there, and they're probably going to kill him. Right? He's not too excited. He's not feeling too confident about leading, uh, leading Israel over there. And God says this to him. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, here's what's cool. This last verse is super popular, right? You get it on a tattoo or you go to Hobby Lobby and it's on a sign and you put it up in your son's room, right? Maybe just me, okay? But this isn't the most important part. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to get nerdy for just like two seconds, okay? But I spent a lot of time in school and I spent a lot of money on my degree so that I can do this once in a while, okay? So this verse breaks, or these verses break down like this. All right? Thank you, Ellie. We got these three different verses. And again, we love this last one. And it's a good verse. But it's not the main point. Okay? What this verse breaks into, again, it's nerdy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay? But what the, what the writer of this book was doing was using a tool called a chiasm. And a chiasm, we were talking with some teenagers this year, they didn't have emojis to work with back then, okay? So they had to find other ways to highlight verses, okay? So this way it was called a chiasm. And you're going to see some similarities up here and some similarities down here. You're like, you know, do you ever read the Bible and you're just like, they just say the same thing over and over and over, right? It's like they were trying to take up space, you know? The teacher says it's got to be three pages. So they just kept writing the same thing over and over, okay? Well, in this case, this is called a chiasm. And what it was is the writer was showing you what the most important part was. So he puts a couple things here, he puts a couple things here, and the part that's in the middle right here is the most important part. The writers would read this part and say, okay, this, this is more important. This, is, this has got all the emojis, right? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And the writer's saying, this is it. This is the most important thing. And we know this is important because our theology, and I'll explain that here in a second, our theology is important because what you believe to be true about God will affect how you live your life. And that is your theology. What you believe to be true about God will affect the way you live your life. Let me give you an example. I'll give you an extreme one, then I'll give you some more normal ones, all right? If you believe that you will be blessed in the afterlife 
with 77 virgins. All you have to do is hijack an airplane and fly it into a building. You might do something like that. Right? That's an extreme example. Okay? Maybe a more normal one is if you believe that women or people of color have less humanity in them than white men, you might treat people poorly. If you believe that God is only concerned with you living a perfect, sinless life and he doesn't care or love you unless you are doing that all the time, you will live a life of shame. Your theology affects how you live your life. And we all have a theology. Whether you get it from Jesus or from Joe Rogan, you have a theology. You have beliefs about life, or you have voices telling you what is truth and what is not, and it's forming a worldview that will eventually affect your beliefs, your actions, and your habits. We all do. Again, whether it's religious or not religious, we all have this. The great thing is, we don't live in North Korea, and you get to choose which voices are speaking into you. You get to choose those voices. Somebody told me before I went to college, they gave me great advice. They said, take professors, not classes. So you find a professor you like, and you just ride those coattails. And I did that, right? I found this one communications professor who taught like this other class that I was in, and I was like, I love this guy. I'm just going to keep taking his classes for all my extracurricular stuff, right? And then sooner or later, I realized my senior year, I was one class away from a speech communication minor. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll just do that then right? Just like, this is the beauty, is today in the world of all the podcasts and the Spotify's and the everything else, every church has a website. You can watch this sermon for years and years to come. You can go back for years and watch every sermon pretty much any pastor's ever done. Find a couple you like. Find some positive people that challenge you and just ride those coattails. Just ride those coattails. I got to get back to our trip a little bit because after we would study every day, we would serve. There's a couple pictures of us serving. We would do the sports camp, which was just a ton of fun. Uh, and then we got, yeah, th these boys cut down this tree all by themselves. Uh, Baron had, Baron's knife was about as sharp as some children's scissors. So <laughs> that was mostly Decker who cut that tree down. But Baron was there for emotional support. But here's what's crazy to me about service. Every major religion in the world, every major religion, calls its followers to serve others. Every single one. That means there are billions, with a B, of people who understand the importance of serving others. And as I said earlier, this is something I love about our community. It's something I love about the Quad Cities. Because we understand in a small town that you have to serve other people. It just benefits everybody. Now, if every major religion believes this, shouldn't we kind of step into that a little bit? Shouldn't we say, wait, 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 maybe there's something to that. If billions of people get this, maybe I should jump on board, right? If LeBron James and Kevin Durant and James Harden all said the step back three is the most important move to learn, if you wanted to be a professional basketball player, you'd probably take that seriously. If Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates all said, this is where you need to invest your money, you would probably take that seriously. 
right? If Joanna Gaines and Martha Stewart and Marie Kondo all said, this is how you need to organize your house so that it's cute and it sparks joy, you would say, I should probably do that. (laughs) All major religions say service is not just beneficial to the people that you're serving, but it's also beneficial to you. And all major religions call their, their followers to do that. And what's awesome is you can serve in so many different ways. It doesn't even have to be at a church. I mean, look at all the civic groups we have. Just in this valley alone, look at all the civic groups. you got Rotary and Kiwanis and Eagles and Lions and Tigers and Bears and oh my, there's so many places you could serve. You could also serve with Thrive. You could serve, uh, you could serve at the Food Bank. You could serve at Chelan Valley Hope. In the Quad Cities, you could serve at CareNet the Boys and Girls Club. In both communities, all our communities, we can serve with only seven seconds. There's a ton of places that we can get involved that will benefit our community, and we know it'll benefit us as well. But we got to get out there and do it. After we would serve every day, uh, we would eat our meals together, we would play together. Uh, The Christian word for this is fellowship, right? We had these, these girls stayed up on the longest night of the year, This picture was taken at 11.45 p.m., all right? And this is why kids should not stay up this late. Go to the next picture, okay? There's a moose back there. (laughs) It was going to kill him, okay? I'm going to use this picture for years to come to tell our kids to go to bed early, all right? Uh, But fellowship, fellowship is this connection we have through shared experiences, a connection we have through shared experiences. You ever been um, at a sporting event, like a, a major league sporting event, and something your team does something good, and everybody's high-fiving? You're high-fiving strangers? Isn't that a weird thing? Like, we don't even say hi to that person, but now we're high-fiving, right? But we have a connection through a shared experience, all right? Uh, unfortunately, as a Mariners fan, we don't get a lot of those high-fiving kind of times. But they happen every so often. Right? We have a, you have a connection through a shared experience. That's why you have more connection with the people you have more shared experiences with. But something happened in the last couple of years. Something happened. I don't know exactly what it is, but it like became cool to be introverted in the last couple of years. I don't know, I think it was like COVID. COVID was like brought out this, the introverts like all came out and they're just like, it's our time, right? (laughs) And it's like, it became cool to be an introvert, right? Have you seen this shirt? The shirt that says, it's too people-y outside. (laughs) There's all kinds of introvert-inspired shirts and drinkware and stuff that you can buy now where all of a sudden it's cool to be introverted. And don't get me wrong, I'm like partially introverted. There's a way that like my gram time fills me up the way that people don't fill me up. I totally think you need to have your time. But I don't think it's as easy to experience fellowship in our world today as it is to experience that introverted alone time. I think there's times in the history of the world, I think there's even parts of the world today where fellowship comes natural. You have to go to the market every day. You live in super tight uh, quarters with other families and stuff like that. It just comes naturally. But in America, in 2022, 
It just doesn't seem to come as naturally for us. So I think it's become something that we need to schedule. I think it's become something that we have to plan. I think we have to say, hey, once a month, once a week, whatever it might be, we're going to have another family over for dinner. Hey, instead of when my kid is out there at soccer practice or basketball practice or football practice, whatever it might be, instead of me sitting on my lawn chair on my phone all by myself, I'm going to leave my phone in the car and I'm going to have conversations with these other adults. I think it's got to the point where maybe if you're a teenager and you're at school and you say, hey, instead of always sitting with the three people I sit with or always sitting at the very end of the hallway, I'm going to sit in the lunchroom or I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to some other people. When I, uh, when I was at uh, Whitworth, the greatest Christian university um, anywhere, really, um, when I was there my freshman year, uh, I got placed in this dorm and uh, met my roommate, and I was ready to have, like, the coolest room ever. I had speakers that, I'm not making this up, they were about this tall, and I had four of them. We had the couch, we did the lofted bed, we did all these things. I mean, our room was going to be so cool, posters everywhere, all kinds of stuff. It was going to be awesome. There was only one problem. My roommate had a hygiene issue, okay? Our room was not an enjoyable place to be in. I didn't like being in our room. It smelled terrible. Do you know how awkward it is to tell another grown man that he has to shower and do laundry? It was like, how did this happen? How did I become your mommy? Like, it's just... <laughs> but I had to have that conversation. Here's the beauty of it. I never wanted to be in my room. I, was, I almost was never in my room. I would sleep there with my nose plugged, but that was about it. Other than that, I was always out and about, and I met... I think there's about 400 people in my room. I knew about 375 of them by name. Because I just, I just was out and about. I just had to meet people. It forced me. But unfortunately, when you become an adult, you don't have those things that force you into those relationships anymore. You have to plan them yourself. You have to plan them yourself. That's why I think things like Sunday morning, I think things like coming to church are super important. Because don't get me wrong, you can find community all over the place. You can find it at the gym, you can find it at Frogs or Cody's or Buddy's, wherever you want to go. You can find it there. But I think on Sunday morning, something that is set aside, something that's scheduled, is a super important positive place to find it. And I know you, the introverts are like, darn it. Right? I get it. I get it. It's so much easier to stay home in your jammies, and especially because we stream this stuff online. But there is something that you miss out on if you're not here physically. There just is. The, in the New Testament, which is the time uh, when Jesus came and then afterwards, there's this book called Hebrews. And Hebrew is another name for a Jew or an Israelite. It's all the same people. The thing I love about the book of Hebrews, a little bit, this might come up on trivia night, okay, uh, is we don't know who wrote Hebrews. It's one of the few books that we, we don't know who wrote it, but it's so good they threw it in there. And the guy, we assume it was a guy, who wrote it was a Jewish person who was trying to get his other Jewish people to understand the connection between the Old Testament and this Jesus guy. It's got a ton of good stuff in it if you're looking for a new book of the Bible to read. In Hebrews, this is what it says. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. Us meeting together, you meeting with other people, especially people who, are, who you want to be like, people who want to pursue good things like you do, is important. And listen to me, teenagers, this is so, so, so important for you. Fellowship is so much more important for your generation, I think, than my generation or the generations above me. I hate this statistic, but it's true. Outside of accidents like car accidents or, or other things like that, the number one uh, reason why teenagers die is suicide. It is so important for you to be connected and connected physically, not like this. Let's move on. At night, we got to do this cool stuff. We, we got to worship uh, just in a small group. Uh, our friends, Nathan and Megan, uh, some of our leaders, they led us in worship every single day. And it was a ton of fun because it's not always something you get to experience in that kind of small, intimate environment. And I think worship is important. Sometimes uh, we pigeonhole worship into just singing, right? If you, if you went to church or some people say, how was the worship? And they only meant the singing, right? But if I'm going to define worship a little better, I would say it's honoring God's sovereignty, okay? Now, there's some churchy lingo in there also, so let's break this down even further, all right? Honoring God's sovereignty. Honoring can be broken down like this, giving credit to or respect to God's sovereignty, which would be his supreme power and authority. Worship is any time, anywhere you can give credit or respect to God's supreme power and authority, a lot of times people, have you ever noticed people have these spiritual experiences when they're outside, when they're looking at God's creation? Because I think that's an aspect of worship. When you sit there and you look at something and you think, there is only one way that this beautiful lake in the middle of nowhere could have been created. That's giving credit to God's power and authority to create that kind of stuff. A lot of times we see this stuff play out in art, but I think there's a lot of ways to do it. Right? I see it even in like uh, cooking. Some people will cook, and it's, it's almost an act of worship to them to meld these flavors together and see what comes out of it. I think it's why we use uh, spiritual language when we talk about cooking. We say, hey, how was that meal? Oh, it was heavenly. Right? Ooh. Oh, it was divine. Right? There's something kind of spiritual about that. And I think that affects us. I think having regular worship affects us. And again, that can look in a lot of different ways, but an easy way to do that is just switch out the music you're listening to. Instead of listening to NPR on your way to work, maybe you listen to worship music. And in a world of iTunes and uh, Amazon Music and YouTube and Spotify, it's so easy. They all have Christian stations if you're looking to add that to your, to your schedule. Lastly, we would end every night by meeting in small groups. And there was just four, five, maybe six kids in a group. And we would meet every night and to talk about our day, pray for our day coming up. And these groups were so powerful that some of them kept meeting. Okay, these kids, they had to introduce themselves to each other on the first day. They didn't even know each other's names. And now they're continuing to meet? Like, that's crazy. I love that stuff. What was cool to me was we had four seniors who gave their testimony uh, at our sports camp. This is Lauren Soliday right here. Uh, she's the one who kicked it all off 
for us. But for me, as a youth pastor, this picture is special because of this person standing back here. And this person is Michelle Navarro. Michelle has been one of our volunteers with our youth group for years and years. She's an elder here at this church. She's been leading Lauren's small group for the last seven years. For seven years, she has pursued Lauren and a group of other girls and helped grow Lauren into the amazing young woman she is today. Listen, there's no, there's no uh, uh, person who promotes youth small groups as much as Kyle does. Because he knows raising kids is not easy. If you can do it on your own, go ahead. Go right ahead. But if a little help would be awesome, come on. Let's get involved. Let's get our kids, let's get our kids uh, into our small groups. Let's get them into our events. Listen, I love being a youth pastor, but I can't minister. I can't help your kid if they don't show up. And sometimes they need a little extra boost, right? Just like they don't wake up every day super excited to go to school, right? You have to push them towards the things that are good for them, right? They don't wake up, they're going to wake up tomorrow so excited to eat broccoli, but we have to push that towards them. I think, I think small groups are not just important for our teenagers. Obviously, that's my passion, but they are so important for us as adults too. Listen, we are the most connected and lonely people in the history of the world. In the history of the world, we are the most connected and lonely people. And I think that's true because we believed a couple lies. We believe that digital relationships are just as valuable as physical ones, and we believe that quantity is the same as quality, and they are just not. They are just not. As I said, you might need to push your kid. You might need to push yourself in this direction. We love small groups, and our small groups coordinator, Sarah Barnes, will be outside by the connection table. She would love to help you get plugged in or start a group. But this might be something we have to do that's a little hard or a little uncomfortable, right? But it doesn't mean it's not going to pay off. It doesn't mean it's not the right step. Uh, this fall, the last couple of falls, we've done a cider pressing event, and I was talking to uh, one, uh, a mom here in our congregation. She's like, my son, uh, I want my son to be involved, but he doesn't want to go. And I was like, well, just force him to come. Make him show up. We'll take care of the rest. He did. Well, she did. And she made him come. He had a good time. He started coming to youth group regularly. He joined our leadership team this year. He just got back from the missions trip. And on the missions trip, he told me he wanted to be baptized. Oh, and he's one of our summer interns this year as well. His name's Noah right? He's got the cool man bun, right? You'll see him floating around. He's made all these steps in the last year, and it all comes back to the fact that his mom, Tiffany, made him go to one of our events. The same could be true for you if you forced yourself into a small group, if you forced yourself to meet with other people and stay accountable. The same could be true for you. Now, I want to wrap this whole thing up. Because uh, this last year, we've been working on, as a staff, we've been working on a, kind of a, a Venn diagram, I think is what it's called, the three circles, right? Okay? And we have these three pillars that, as a church, that we have stood on since we started, all right? We've got our small groups. We've got our Sunday morning service, was our fellowship time, and we have service to the community, 
right? And this last year, we kind of realized that our people that are doing the best, right, that seem to be the most healthy, that seem to have, have the most healthy relationships around them that are growing, sit right here in the middle, that they seem to be involved in all three of these. And then I got to thinking, coming back from this trip, that this is exactly what we do, and we just add two more. We add small groups, or we add our quiet times and our worship. Right? That this doesn't only have to happen once a year, a thousand miles away from home. This could happen every single week. This part right here, this kind of sweet spot, that could be your life. And it's really not that complicated. We just have to figure out how to add these things to our lives. And maybe today, maybe it's just one thing. Maybe today you're thinking about two. Or maybe you're thinking about, oh man, if I just replace this, that would get one of those in there. But we would love to help you add one of these or make this or fill in that center piece however we can. I saw this uh, ad for uh, a, some kind of diet thing, right? Some kind of way to lose weight. And I couldn't really tell. The TV was a long ways away. I couldn't really tell what was going on. But I saw the words, uh, no diet, no exercise, no pill, no uh, hypnosis, no surgery, 100% results. And I'm like, 100%, that does not work. There is no way. Because real results require real work. That's just how it works in exercise. That's also how it works in our spiritual lives. We have to do something. And I know sometimes I said something today and you're like, yeah, that's not really my thing. I don't really like reading. Or yeah, I'm not really into the singing thing or the whole people-y thing. Hey, that people-y shirt, I have that shirt. I was going to wear that today, right? You're like, I'm not really into that. And I get it. I get it. I have things in my life that I'm not totally into either. I don't like eating healthy. I think Oreos taste way better right? But heart disease runs in my family, and so far everybody gets a heart attack at some point, and I am trying to delay that for as long as I possibly can. I have things even as a dad that I don't like. I'm, I'm going to admit it because my kids are too young. They're not in here. They can't hear this, but I hate, keep this between us, I hate the make-believe games. I hate the make-believe games. You know, the, the games where uh, the rules change all the time and you're not in charge, right? I'm like, I'm going to play the make-believe games with my five-year-old. And she says, okay, now you're a dog. Okay, now I'm a princess and I can fly, but you can't fly. And no, you can't talk either. And okay, no, now you're the brother. Oh, no, wait, you know what? You're the dad and you have to go to work. And I'm like, I'm the dad who has to go to work? Like, how is this make-believe? This is every day. But I don't want to be the dad who's not involved. I don't want to be the dad who is too cool or cared too much about what's going on on his smartphone that my kids don't have any memories of playing that with me. I don't want to be that way. I also don't want to be the Christian that wakes up someday and realizes I am not everything God created me to be. I have not done what he's called me to do, what the plan that he's laid out to me, and I have somehow lived a life less than what he wants for me. I don't want that, and I don't think you do either. And so it's simple. We get up every day, and we do the thing that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. We introduce these things into our life, we keep them regular, and you just watch and see what happens. On your blue card, there's these next steps that I'm going to push through real quick. But maybe, maybe today you're going to add a circle to your Venn diagram. You're like, you know what? I could do that. 
I could get in a small group. I could start doing a quiet time. You know what? I could start coming to church regularly. You just add one. Just what is it? Just write it, just write it on your blue card. You can even do this on the app. There's a blue card on your app. And if there's a way that we as a church staff or elders can help you, we'd love to. Maybe you need to replace something in your routine. Maybe you're like, man, I listen to Tina Turner's best hits every day when I drive to work. And you're just going to replace that with Lauren Daigle. Right? Maybe you just need to replace something. Really easy. Maybe it's where you eat lunch or where you do your quiet time. You're just going to replace something. And lastly, maybe you need to eliminate an excuse that's been holding you back. Come on, there's a lot of bad excuses out there. There's a lot of bad excuses. Not knowing how to do something or something being hard is a really lame excuse, right? We don't use it in other parts of our lives. We don't say, uh, sorry I didn't file my taxes, Uncle Sam. Uh, sounded really hard and complicated. It doesn't work that way. So why would we allow for that in our spiritual lives? Lastly, I just want to turn it over to uh, Billy up in Brewster. I'm going to say a prayer for us here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, and I thank you so much again for this trip, Lord. I thank you for the things that uh, came out of it, the decisions that were made, um, the groups that were formed, the, the habits that have been adapted, Lord. God, I pray, too, that that inspiration of our trip would uh, kind of ooze out, that would trickle out onto these people here and everybody else who's listening. Uh, God, we ask that you would just kind of emit that goodness, just, just push it out into us so it's something that we feel that we can't deny. Give us the courage to take those next steps and the resources to do it. And we ask for that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.